Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Amen. Awesome. Again, welcome. If you're joining us online, so glad that you're with us. Uh, I was going to say that I wish I could see you face to face, but we were joking earlier that we could have uh, called this Sunday, Go to Church in Your Underwear Sunday. And uh, so in light of that, some of you may not be wearing the attire that you would wear on a Sunday morning. And so maybe it's best we don't see you face to face today, but so glad that you're with us. I want to say a few things about just kind of our situation with uh, responding to uh, a public crisis before we dive into the sermon today. The first thing, I just want to remind you of 2 Timothy 1.7 that says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and of a sound mind. I just want to encourage you, don't panic. Right? I, I know that it's, it's so natural and normal when you see uh, grocery shelves being emptied out, people hoarding things. It's natural to, to go down the road of fear and panic. I just want to encourage you, don't go there. Okay? I want you to remember that God has given you a spirit of power and love and sound mind. The second thing, I want to encourage you to love one another. This is a time when we have an opportunity to share with people that maybe don't have the things, maybe they didn't get to the grocery store in time and they need something. We have an opportunity to tangibly love other people. So I want to encourage you to tangibly express God's love to other people. And lastly, just use wisdom. Um, the, the CDC website has great um, measures that we can take, simple things, washing our hands, uh, just being careful about where we go, when we go there. Use wisdom in this time, okay? And I want to let you know that we always have for you uh, a place for you to receive prayer. If you go to our website, rin-church.org, forward slash prayer. We have a place where you can, you can submit a prayer request that's confidential. It goes to our prayer ministry leader, and that is prayed for uh, specifically every week. And so if you have a prayer need, please go and join us there online. We've been in a series as a church body called 40 Days. And what we're doing is we're walking through this Lent season, a season of preparation, a season where we uh, collectively, as the body of Christ, walk with Jesus during those uh, 40 days of temptation and fasting. What we're doing is we're spotlighting spiritual practices every week. Last week, we, uh, sorry, the week before last, we spotlighted the practice of prayer and how essential that is for a follower of Christ to be a person of prayer. Last week, we talked about scripture and how God breathed into his word that it might breathe into us and how important it, does, it, it is for us to get his word into our hearts and minds. And so I challenged you guys to be reading scripture. This week, we're going to look at a Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. And instead of, challenge, instead of challenging you to take something up, I want to challenge you to actually lay something down. And so if you want to turn with me, Matthew chapter 4, I think we're going to have this 
on the screen for you as well right now. I'm going to read starting in verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is the word of the Lord. So this week, what we're going to be focusing on is the spiritual practice of fasting. We see that Jesus, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That he goes in and he, you know, finds this isolated place and he fasts for 40 days in 40 nights. Now, fasting is something that is incredibly difficult for, for Houstonians to talk about uh, because I don't know where you're watching this from, but here we don't have hills or mountains to look at. Uh, you'll find better beaches and other places across the nation and world. We have to deal with humidity and mosquitoes and bugs, but we have very green grass, we have great people, and we have fantastic food in Houston. And so to, um, to talk about fasting is especially painful for us here, but that's what I want us to focus on this week. And I want you to think about the scenario that Jesus is in. He's going to be uh, facing off with Satan himself. The devil is coming to tempt him. And so what he does is he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, if it's me, okay, I'm, I'm going to want to be in like top physical condition. Why would Jesus fast? I mean, wouldn't you want to be at your physical best when Satan is coming to tempt you? I uh, would probably want to have three square meals and an extra shot of espresso in my latte that morning because... I'd want to be at my physical best, but Jesus fasts for 40 days. Why is that? Well, the first point I want to make for you today is this, that fasting confirms our total dependence on God. It confirms our total dependence on God. Jesus knew that he could not count on his flesh, on his fleshly strength when facing temptation, and I'm just going to make a bet that you've probably discovered the very same thing about yourself, because every one of us is going to face temptation. We have faced it. We will face it again. We'll face it in many, many different ways, and our fleshly strength is too weak to endure difficulties like being tempted to sin. Paul, the, the great apostle in Romans 8, he teaches us that the flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another. Like they, they want different things and that our flesh is leading us one way and the spirit's leading us a totally different way. And then if we follow our flesh, it will lead us to deception at the very least. And it will ultimately lead us to destruction. But Paul tells us there that the spirit, if, if we will follow the spirit, it will lead us to life in peace. And so Jesus, he starves his Flesh. He starves his physical body so that he can focus himself on the spirit of God, the leading of God's spirit. 
Now, I know it's hard for us to kind of wrap our minds around this, that Jesus was fully human, because we think of him as fully God and the miracle worker and, and this Messiah, this Christ that did all these amazing things. But, you know, he was fully human, just like we are. And he had to battle temptation just like we do. And so Jesus starves his flesh so that he could be totally dependent on God. And when you and I fast, we actually feel in our bodies that we are completely dependent on God, on on his power and on his strength. This is the paradox of fasting, that when we embrace physical weakness, it actually gives us spiritual strength. So it, it, it's, it trains us, I'm sorry, fasting confirms our total dependence on God. The second thing I want you to see is in verse three, it says that then the tempter, the devil, approached him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, you probably caught what he did there. If you are the son of God. So he's attacking subtly the very identity of Jesus, of whether or not he is the Messiah, if he's the son of God. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And what he's tempting him to do is to make it easier on himself. Right? You've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. You're hungry, right? Yeah. Make it easier on yourself. Turn these stones into bread, and it's like, do it now. Take it now. He's, he's trying to get Jesus to take it right now. The second point that I want to make for you today is that fasting actually trains us to wait on God. It trains us to wait on God. Because fasting is the spiritual practice where we deny ourselves. And let's be honest, that's why fasting is probably one of the least practiced spiritual disciplines in the Christian world because we really don't like denying ourselves. It's difficult, right? We feel hungry or if you're fasting from media or, or, or entertainment or some other thing, right? Your appetites are right there. Those appetites that drive our lives and our focus and I know in my own, my own life, when I've, when I've tried to fast and I said, you know, I'm going to fast for three whole days and I'm going to pray. And by like day two and a half, I'm already talking myself out of it. Like, you know, I think, you know, I think I've prayed pretty well. I've, I've prayed a lot and, and I start listening to my appetites and I will end my fast early. I will talk myself out of finishing the fast because denying myself is hard. It's hard for all of us. But I wonder, how many things have I missed? How many things have we missed because we just wouldn't wait? Like we just wouldn't wait on God. You know, as believers in Christ, I think a lot of times we think, you know, Jesus has done it all. He's paid it all. It's grace, right? He's, he's died on the cross. He's paid for our sins, and it's all grace now. And so why would we even do something like fasting, right? Why, why would we deny ourselves? Why, why would we, you know, not eat or, or turn off media for a certain amount of time? Well, you know, it's in fasting that we actually get direction 
for our lives. In, in uh, Acts 13, the, the believers, this is after Christ has resurrected, this church in Antioch has leaders, and they're worshiping and they're fasting. And, is, and as they're worshiping and fasting, they hear the Spirit of God say to them, set apart Saul and Barnabas. Saul, who's the apostle Paul, who, by the way, turned the world upside down, spreading the gospel all across the known world. Paul was sent out in response to fasting in worship in prayer. They waited and God spoke. We see this again in Acts 14 when Paul has gone out and he's, he's starting these new churches and it says that he, he, set up, he set up elders in the churches and then he fasted, that he waited to hear from God about these new churches and what was gonna be happening and who should lead those churches. And so fasting is this, this practice where we actually just wait and we listen and we worship and we pray. It trains us to wait on God. And what I found is that when we fast, like in a season like this where we try something for a certain amount of time, that it strengthens us to be able to practice self-control in moderation in all aspects of our lives. So that the rest of the year, we have built this exercise, this muscle of being able to say no, to have self-control or to have moderation. Jesus himself said this in Luke 9, 23 through 24. He says, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Jesus himself tells us, Hey, if you want to come after me, if you, if you want to follow me, here's what I want you to do. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Which leads me to my third point. Fasting demonstrates our true life source. If you look at the, the words that Jesus responds uh, to, the, to the, the tempter with in verse four, it says that he answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, what Jesus is doing is he's quoting a passage from the Old Testament from Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse two. This is Moses, and he's speaking to the people of Israel that have been wandering for 40 years, 40 years in the wilderness. And he's reminding them of all that God has done for them. And part of their story was there was, you know, as they're out on the run, that they, they are tested with hunger. And so they cry out to God, and God sends manna, and it's actually bread from heaven that appears on the ground. And they go out six days a week, and they are gathering in the bread. And Moses reminds them, look, hey, when you had no bread, God was your bread, that God is the, the true life source, that he's the provider, and that you don't just need bread. In fact, you need to turn to God, and he will provide everything you need. 
And so we, uh, we use the, a phrase, make it rain. Y'all know the phrase, make it rain. So like when we say making it rain, dollar bills, when people say, you know, they're, they're so good at something that they have all this income coming in. Well, God makes it rain and he makes it rain bread, bread from heaven, manna, the bread of God. And Jesus responds to the tempter saying, look, Man does not live on bread, but he lives on the bread of God, the word of God. He is our true life source. And fasting is a physical expression of a deep spiritual hunger. You know what I'm talking about? When you just feel hungry for a for God, like there's this thing in you that just wants to meet with God, to know him, to experience God. It's an expression of deep spiritual hunger that is greater than bodily hunger. It's a physical declaration of our spiritual longing. It emphatically says, what I really need most is not of this world. I don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Pastor Dave Clayton says, it's a moment where we raise the white flag and surrender the notion that the fleeting pleasures of the world are an adequate substitute for the infinite goodness of God. Friends, fasting is feasting. It's where we press on our normal meal schedule or our, our, our entertainment or media or social media or whatever we we're doing. We press pause for a season and we remind ourselves of where our life really comes from, that it comes from our heavenly father. And so today I want to challenge you just as I've done each week in this series I want to give you a fasting challenge, and I want to encourage you to really, really consider what I'm about to tell you. The first thing that I want you to consider is a food fast, where you fast for one meal per day. Now, when I was preparing this, I did not know that our grocery stores would look like they look right now that their shelves would be empty. And so maybe you're thinking, gosh, this would be a great time to fast because there's no food anywhere. So there you go. You're welcome. Um, maybe God's trying to tell us something. Maybe we should take a moment and actually fast. I want you to fast for one meal per day. So you can just pick breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever is, you know, works for you. And instead of eating, I want you just to spend some extra time with the Lord. You know, you can um, pray, you can worship, you can read scripture, but just press pause on eating and just remind yourself of your deep spiritual hunger for God. The second, it's, this is an or, if you, if you can't food fast, here's an or, and I think this one's very powerful, it's a media fast, okay? And this is where we fast from entertainment, that could be uh, social media, television, movies, the, the things that fill our hours of our day, where we fast from those things things because those are like an appetite. I, uh, I um, think about my smartphone and how, how often during the day I'm reaching for my smartphone. I can't, uh, I can't re re remember the stats exactly, but I want to say that most people touch their phone about 4,000 times 
per day. It's crazy how much we use devices. And maybe this week, better than food fasting would just be a media fast where you're gonna abstain from, from smartphone, social media, television, movies, all that kind of stuff, and instead use that time to meet with the Lord. So I wanna, I wanna encourage you to consider this fasting challenge this week. And I just wanna close with this thought that as you do this, you will feel some discomfort, okay? You, you will. It's not like a magic wand of the Holy Spirit where it gets easy all of a sudden. It's, no, it's hard, and you'll feel discomfort as you give up food or media. But in those moments, I want you to remember the discomfort of Jesus. I want you to think about the discomfort of Jesus as he sits in a wilderness place for 40 days and 40 nights, and he fasts. I want you to remember the discomfort of Jesus as he agonizes in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he makes up his mind about what he's gonna do to solve the problem that you and I have, that we're separated from God, and that he would step in and become a substitute for us. I want you to remember the discomfort of Jesus as he's arrested and he's falsely accused. I want you to remember the discomfort of Jesus as he's being flogged and beaten by Roman soldiers. I want you to remember the discomfort of Jesus when the crown of thorns are on his brow and he's mocked and he's spat upon and he's hit in the face. I want you to remember Jesus marching across up a hill called Golgotha. I want you to remember the discomfort of Jesus when nails pierced his hands and his feet. I want you to remember Jesus hanging there in pain. And I want you to remember that his heart literally broke when the Father turned away and all the wrath of God was poured out on him for you and for me and for all of our mistakes and all the times where we've been tempted to sin and we have just blown it. Remember that he endured all of this so that you and I could find comfort, that we could find the comfort of forgiveness of our sins, of a new life and a new heart and a new relationship with our heavenly Father. And I want you to remember that because of that sacrifice, the Spirit of God lives within every believer and that he empowers you in moments where you feel discomfort in your body. So embrace it. Embrace these moments where we have to just put a, a hold on our appetites so that we can feast on the goodness and on the glory and the word of our God. And lastly, if you do not know this Jesus, I, I want you to know that maybe the spirit of God is, is prompting you right now that this is your moment, that 
you need to just turn your heart and your life to him, that he has done all this on your behalf so that you could be reconciled to your heavenly father. He loves you. He absolutely loves you. He wants you to come into relationship with himself. And we do that by surrender. When we surrender our hearts and our wills and we turn our lives back over to him and we make him Lord and master of our lives. And so if that's you today, I want you to know that Jesus stands ready to receive you. So I want to encourage you to turn to him today. Let me close us with prayer. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.